Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about the presidential election and the push by both sides to win over suburban voters. Voters in the suburbs will tip the 2020 election. Whoever they go for will become the next president. That makes winning them over the most important task of the dueling presidential campaigns. But suburban voters are not a monolith. They're diverse populations with different concerns, different backgrounds, different religious affiliations, and more. So how are Republican President Donald Trump and former Democratic Vice President Joe Biden going after them? All of that, up next. Last week, Trump and members of his campaign touched down in Phoenix. They were here Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And this week, the visits are continuing. For Trump, it was his fifth time touching down in Arizona this year. The mission? Maintaining energy among Republican voters who support him and trying to reach new voters, namely Latino voters, veterans, and people of faith who feel uneasy about his personal conduct but support his policies. The president kicked off the week of campaigning on Monday by hosting a Latinos for Trump event in Phoenix at the Arizona Grand Resort and Spa. What I'm looking forward to hearing today is more about uh, his economic plan for the Latinos and Blacks and Asians and other minorities because the color landscape of America is changing. On Wednesday, the president's daughter and advisor, Ivanka Trump, spent time in front of the cameras with Republican Governor Doug Ducey. They made calls to potential voters. She told folks that her dad's economy helps working class parents and she really played up tax cuts and deregulation. Disabled Americans had the lowest unemployment record in, or the lowest unemployment rate in recorded history. Every single group was experiencing an incredible boom that was coming as a result of smart economic policy. And on Thursday, Second Lady Karen Pence spoke in Glendale about the good work that the Trump administration has done for military members and for their spouses. She extended that praise, like they all did, to fellow GOP member Governor Doug Ducey, touting his deregulation on occupational licensing. And finally, on Friday, Vice President Mike Pence bookended the week-long campaigning effort by celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month at an event hosted by the Libre Initiative. That's a conservative Hispanic political organization that's linked to the billionaire Koch brothers. And of course, this week, Don Jr. and Eric Trump are in town. We see it all the time. They are fed up. And honestly, for so long, so many of the Latinos that I know, religious, pro-life, hardworking, family, school, education, they look at the Democrat Party and say, they offer me nothing. There's just a long history. It's like the blue-collar worker I was talking about early. There's a long history, so that's hard to overcome. So needless to say, the Trump campaign has been tireless in their outreach to Arizona voters. Clearly, they see the state as a really big deal. And that's for good reason. Last week, the Cook Political Report, the nonpartisan political analysts, moved Arizona from a toss-up 
to leaning toward Democrat Joe Biden. So, Yvonne, break down the strategy of the Trump campaign. What was his messaging to Latinos, uh, the group that he was specifically targeting on Monday at his appearance? Sure. So through all of these uh, visits, you heard a pretty focused message towards Latino voters. And what they were trying to really specifically do here is really to highlight the homeownership growth rates that have occurred under the Trump administration, the deregulation policies that have helped small businesses, a lot of Latino mom and pop small businesses thrive, and somewhat of a focus on religious liberties. These are different uh, rules and uh, policies that the Trump administration has really sought to advance over the past three and a half years in an effort to really maintain energy among evangelicals and faith-based voters who feel as though Democrats are really seeking to erode their way of life. When it comes to veterans, there was a big focus on uh, what the president has done to highlight service members and their families and to keep issues uh, that pertain to them at the forefront. He cited, for example, President Trump cited, for example, efforts that they have done to try to improve care for veterans at the VA center. That's in stark contrast to the uh, wait list scandal that we saw emerge under President Barack Obama's tenure. And then, of course, we heard a big, big focus on law enforcement. And all of the speakers really seemed to try to play up their uh, support of police. And they tried to really kind of contrast some of the protests and the rioting that we have seen in large American cities uh, who are protesting the deaths of black men. So Trump folks essentially came with the message that we will stand with our law enforcement, unlike Joe Biden, unlike these liberal Democrats who uh, who really want to um, see lawlessness in the streets. And of course, Biden is not for defunding the, the police, but that was a big message that they brought. Okay. So from a strategy side, what did we learn from these events targeting uh, these various factions So when it comes to Latinos, I think they are just trying to do whatever they can to try to shore up some sort of support or amp up some sort of support among Latinos. Latinos are overwhelmingly going for Joe Biden, but in a presidential race like this one in Arizona that could be won or lost on the margins, every single vote counts. When it comes to religious liberties and some of the um, economic policies that they were really playing up, I think that's really a message geared towards these suburban voters, suburban families, women who might be afraid of what they're seeing playing out on their televisions with uh, some of these protests that are happening, and people who are considered soft Republicans. These are people who want to be Republican. They want to um, stick with the party that perhaps they've been with for a long time, but they might feel a little uneasy by the president's personal conduct and some of the policies that he's enacted or some of his more divisive language uh, that we have seen recently reported in The Atlantic in which the president is disparaging uh, veterans and and service members. So clearly the Trump campaign is really trying to dominate the headlines, dominate news cycle after news cycle with headlines and news about their campaign here in Arizona. And we should note that this comes 
as the Trump campaign has struggled financially and has fallen behind the Biden campaign when it comes to to money. There was a period of time that we wrote about where the president was and his campaign, they were actually off the air in a battleground like Arizona. We should note that they are now back up on the air, but clearly this is an effort to just um, overtake the airwaves with news. Okay, so the Trump campaign has clearly made a play for Latino voters, and they've reached out to veterans and people of faith uh, and really touted this pro-law enforcement message. But the question, I guess, Yvonne, is, is this working? Is, is this approach likely to resonate with voters, whether they're suburban residents, Latino? Uh, how is this playing out with the, the factions they're trying to reach? There aren't very many people who haven't already made up their minds when it comes to who they want to vote for, for president. When it comes to Latinos specifically, you know, not everyone that we've talked to, political analysts and pundits, not everyone's convinced that these events are solely targeting Latinos, for example. Uh, Arizona Republic reporter Dan Gonzalez spoke with Steven Nuno, and he's a senior analyst at the polling firm Latino Decisions. And his message was essentially, look, you know, these events may appear to be catering to Latinos, but the actual intention is to try to actually make up ground with white suburban voters who maybe at times have been put off by some of the president's more inflammatory comments. In effect, Nuno says, look, these are great photo ops for the president to be able to show to white voters that, look, I care about Latinos. At the same time, I think the Trump campaign would likely reject the claim and perhaps argue that they have real specific events geared towards other suburban voter blocks. And we've seen some of those, for example, when Mike Pence was in town earlier in the year and, and he held an event with uh, members uh, uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Across the aisle, Joe Biden has yet to touch down in Arizona himself. 538's polling average for the state has Biden leading Trump by 4.3 percentage points. And among Arizona's Latino voters, Biden has 55% support compared with Trump's 17%. So he's doing well despite taking a seemingly less hands-on approach. Ron, let's kind of break that down a bit. Because we've seen a lot of headlines about people concerned over Biden's non-appearance, over his, you know, alleged lack of outreach to Latinos and to suburban voters here in Arizona more broadly, give us a sense of what his approach is here in Arizona. Yeah, so I think the the first and most dominant thing to remember about this campaign is that this election is about President Donald Trump. It is a referendum on his performance and a decision about whether the country wants four more years. That's the way this campaign is being framed uh, from tooth to tail. Stylistically and ideologically, Joe Biden is really pretty opposite Donald Trump. He is low key and wants to uh, sort of connote a command of, you know, being a good leader and in charge without being erratic and impulsive. And so he's really kind of playing that thing up. And it's happening against this backdrop of the pandemic. So this is 
you know, restricted his travel schedule and really is sort of part of this Democratic brand at the moment that, yes, Joe Biden has not been to Arizona, but it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he's just trying to be cautious in light of the present health conditions. So as you said, it's important to remember that the suburbs are not monolithic. And so for Democrats, they're trying to uh, drive home this message of less chaos and fellowship with neighbors that you probably know. And that feels more in line with the Joe Biden message that they're trying to project to everybody. And the campaign is also trying to get past his age and whiteness, frankly, at a time of great social upheaval um, by trying to reach out to people of color first with the nomination of Kamala Harris as his running mate, but also with other uh, kinds of appearances. Uh, Joe Biden notably made an appearance at a Black Lives Matter protest in Delaware earlier this summer. He's also tried to message on issues like dreamers and uh, wanting to preserve their right to be in this country while also ending some of the more controversial elements of the Trump administration's uh, in immigration enforcement actions. And more broadly, the campaign is really kind of focused on a fairly progressive, relatively populist message of wanting to expand health coverage, for example, under the Affordable Care Act. They're also trying to lead a national conversation on social justice. These are messages that I think are intended to reach out to Latino voters, yes, but also to suburban voters who are, again, not just uniformly white or middle class. Uh, it is sort of a nod to this changing demographic nation of ours. And uh, the Biden campaign, it seems, is at least sensitive to the idea that they need to reach out to folks uh, in a more conscious and sustained way than perhaps the Obama campaigns did, uh, in part because the candidate at the top of the ticket is a white male. Another important part of Biden's coalition are Republicans, right? That's right. So this campaign, maybe more than most, has really kind of made a play for people from the other side. And that's in part because Arizona has such a long history of voting Republican. The fact is, if you don't get some Republican voters on your side, you're probably going to run out of votes. So this campaign, especially driven by President Trump's behavior and his uh, decisions that have really sort of um, uh, bothered a lot of what I think of as those softer Republicans, um, things from uh, immigration enforcement to the uh, behavior that led to his impeachment. Um, there's just so many different things that have sort of unified an element of the Republican Party, the folks who are offended by his comments on former Senator John McCain, for example. And so in Arizona, we've seen at least a few very high profile Republicans and former Republicans, such as Senator Jeff Flake and Congressman Jim Colby, make public their support for Joe Biden. This is sort of uh, a permission structure for conservative voters to say, look, I'm troubled by the president's behavior. It doesn't make me a bad conservative. It's actually more of a patriotic act as the Democrats frame it. 
So Biden has promised that he would come to Arizona after Labor Day. We still haven't heard anything from him as to when that visit might come. There are quite a few Democrats who are hoping to see him, and he's raised that expectation. But what do we know about how his messaging here in Arizona may be landing? I mean, aside from polling and uh, campaign messaging, it seems to me that we can also read into a lot from both of the campaign's physical behavior. What cue is Biden giving us? What cue is Trump giving us about how they're treating Arizona? Look, so I think the the most direct thing is to look at the polling, and Joe Biden has been ahead in virtually every poll since the start of the year in Arizona. That hasn't really changed. The margins bounce around a bit, but Joe Biden is playing from ahead in Arizona, and that's unusual in this state. The other thing is, is if you look at um, just the behavior uh, by the Trump campaign, they're throwing the kitchen sink at this state, trying to get people to come out here holding events against public advice from health experts. They are doing everything they can to um, make sure that their base is engaged and they're not behaving like a campaign that feels confident that uh, this campaign is going to be theirs. They're acting more like a campaign that thinks this is a, a jump ball, um, which it probably more closely is. The other thing is, is if you look at the Biden campaign, they're spending in Arizona, primarily in the Phoenix and Tucson markets, has been higher than anywhere else in the country this summer. And when you look at the Trump campaign, they've also made it a very high priority, but their limited finances have meant that they haven't run as many ads in these markets as they have uh, compared to the Biden campaign. So both campaigns, from their spending to sort of their messaging, they have made this state a priority. I think the difference is that the polls suggest that Biden is ahead and Trump is acting like somebody who's trying to close ground. All right, listeners, let's get into some afterthoughts. We are just weeks out from the start of early voting, which begins on October 7th. We are weeks away from election day. Um, these are long days. These are hard days. And uh, we're, we're in it with you. Ron, this isn't the campaign that we expected a year ago, although one thing does seem to be consistent. Both sides have signaled to us uh, for a year or so now that this race could indeed come down to Arizona. Election day may come and go, and we may not know who the winner is if this race is as tight as we expect it to be. And not just potentially in this race, but in the Senate race, maybe other down-ballot races. If the race is as close as both campaigns um, think that it may be, when might we know who the winner is? It seems pretty safe that this could take at least a day or two extra, depending on how close things ultimately turn out to be. Um, the 2018 Senate race, as you remember well, that one lasted six days after the election before we got um, the formal concession by Senator McSally now uh, on that. And so with this one, we will see how close it turns out to be. Remember, the uh, the recorders across the state can count early ballots uh, a little earlier than they had previously. So hopefully they won't have as much of a backlog on that front. 
But, you know, we're in kind of uncharted territory with the pandemic. We don't know how much balloting will occur on Election Day and what kind of bottlenecks that might provide. And, of course, there's always the specter of litigation. So the um, the chances are we'll have a pretty good idea. And if the race isn't especially close, then hopefully we'll know by Tuesday night. But um, it's at least possible this thing could drag on for a week uh, just based on recent experience. You know, one other thing, Yvonne, that strikes me about this is that these two campaigns, regardless of how it turns out, have really sort of prosecuted their case in very different ways. And it seems like this is going to leave a lot of room for second guessing when it's all said and done. Whoever wins, there's going to be questions raised about uh, for the loser, should they have done things differently? Uh, what stands out to you about the, the contrast in these two campaigns in Arizona? I think the most notable thing for me is Joe Biden's lack of appearances thus far in Arizona. For a state that he seems to talk quite a bit about, I just don't think that you can take anything for granted. And his supporters and the pundits might tell you, well, look, you know, he is feeling pretty comfortable in the state. He needs to spend his energy elsewhere, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Florida. But no one should be taking Arizona voters for granted. And I think, you know, an appearance by him would go a long way. We all remember what happened uh, in 2016 when Hillary Clinton did not visit Wisconsin, for example. That could be uh, a pivotal mistake for the Biden campaign should he choose not to come here. Gaggle listeners, that is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, please read our coverage on AZ Central. We're having a subscription sale right now, and it's as cheap as it will ever be. Tell a friend about us. Make sure you're registered to vote. And leave us a rating and review if you like our show. You can follow me on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. And you can follow me at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. This week's episode was edited and produced by Taylor Seeley with oversight from Katie O'Connell. We'll see you next week.